Blog Talk Radio. Gentlemen, welcome to the Unexplained World Internet Radio Broadcast with your host, Edward Shanahan, a paranormal, spiritual observer, and psychic reader, along with Annette, a high priestess and psychic reader. The Unexplained World is a location where the border between the natural and supernatural may become nothing more than fuzzy, so enjoy. Welcome to the April 11th broadcast of the Unexplained World with your host, Edward Shanahan. That's me and Annette. Hello, Annette. Hi, Ed. How are you tonight? I'm doing super. It sounds like I might have to update um, our intro a little. It almost sounds like a worn-out 45 <laughs> for those who remember <laughs> what they are. <laughs> oh, I remember 45s. In fact, I have a jukebox that only plays 45s. Really? Wow. I do. Super, super. Yeah, um, well, you know, considering we're going on four years now, or we are on our fourth year, and maybe it's understandable. So, um, how are you doing? How are you doing otherwise? I'm great. I've been out all in the yard all day, turning my home into a homestead, and just enjoying the fresh air. And the, and I'm excited about tonight. I'm so thrilled to bring our guests on and just start talking. Well, tell our listeners what our show is about tonight and who our guests are that we will bring on in a couple minutes. All right. Well, we're going to talk about the healthy foods that are still left in America for us to get our hands on. And pretty much the concept here is that our friend Tanya Kay, who has been with us before as a guest, um, she is an actress and athlete, and tonight she's going to be coming on to visit us and talk about her life as a living foodist or raw foodist. And Eden Romer, uh, she's my friend who um, is a raw food activist and educator. She runs rawearthliving.com, where she informs the public daily about the topics that help create healthier lives. So between these two ladies, Ed, you and I will have no excuses for not being healthier and happier and living longer, more productive lives after this show. Mm. <laughs> when the ladies come on, I'll tell, tell you what my... Uh, Dinner consisted consisted of, and uh, what I'm doing at this moment. But before then, I would like to mention the website with all the Chicago area paranormal dates and locations. Now has the dates listed all the way to All Hallow Eve's night. Plus, where I will be doing uh, public readings the last Sunday in April at the Scott Mansion in Joliet. It's called the Haunted Historic Locations dot com. That's haunted historiclocations.com. Plus, Annette and I um, do entertaining psychic house parties together in Indiana, northwest Indiana, and the Chicagoland area. Details at edwardshanahan.com. So um, we've done large groups where the readings were 10 minutes each, and I would say that night was about 40 people. Uh, and that's where that uh, nice condo building downtown. And we also uh, do private readings. So uh, where they require two readers together. So um, 
If there's some interest listeners, you know where to find us. Let's bring on our guest. Should I go with Tanya first? That's fine. Now, here's Tanya Kay. You may have seen her this past week on American Idol as a grinder girl with Rihanna. Um, I was so excited when I saw it. I told my husband, pause it, pause it. There's Tanya. <laughs> so bring her on. I'm dying to say hello. Hi, Annette. Hi, Ed. How are you? We're fine. How are you, Tanya? I'm, I'm glad to be back on the show. I'm feeling good. And it was a wild week. I think I booked that American Idol gig with Rihanna four hours before I was actually on set. And yeah. so that's not a big turnaround. <laughs> that's I really quick. Since we didn't, I kind of figured that since we didn't see an email letting us know that you'd be on. So it was a happy yeah. surprise. It was a happy surprise for me, too. Really fun. Really fun. <laughs> it was great. Quick production, and now I'm just getting to take a rest at the end of the week. And kind of, I'm always prepared for the unexpected, you know? And uh, yeah. that's why I try and keep, like, a foundation of, of good, centered grounding that I can deal with chaos and the unexpected to always come in. I like that. Um, but it does take recovery. <laughs> I need my rest <laughs> after crazy things happen. <laughs> So you've been busy oh, lately, anyways. So um, what, because I, say, Ed? I, I go ahead. What did you say, Ed? I said you've been a busy bee lately, anyways. I've been seeing your uh, on Twitter, which people can find you on Twitter also. Uh, some of yeah. your posts. Yeah, you've been busy. So. Um, yeah, actually, you can watch me on Glee. I'm going to be on Glee April 20th. Oh, cool. So that's my my next upcoming. That's visible. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let me bring Eden on. Actually, yeah, here comes Eden Romer. Okay. Good evening. Hello, Eden. Hi, Hi, good evening. <laughs> How are you tonight? I'm I'm very well. Thanks for having me on. How are you guys? Good, good. Good. Doing good. good. Oh, Annette, let me mention that I did get on the Facebook page I have uh, when I posted about the show. A uh, lady out there named Deborah Sue. I'm not going to give the last name. Maybe you'll recognize it. Um, she says she sends her love to you. So um, there you okay. go. Okay. Well, Deborah Sue, okay. we send our love back. All right, ladies, I'm going to sit back and kind of leave Annette uh, do the show. Kind of navigate this ship, shall I? Yeah, because <laughs> the simple fact is uh, I'll be taking the role of the person with the questions um, as a right typical listener. Because tonight for dinner I had spaghetti and heavy on the sauce and the meatballs. Um, I got a diet Pepsi or diet Pepsi sitting here in front of me and a cigarette. So oh, <laughs> no. has to be converted. Okay. Ladies, we must save him. <laughs> well, I gotta tell you, Tanya and Eden are both my inspiration. You know, I am so close to a vegetarian. I get, oh, I'm so close. <laughs> and my kids, actually, my two little boys are actually embracing it faster than I ever thought they would. I got one little guy doesn't want to, my, my little one that just turned four, he doesn't even want to eat meat anymore. He tells me, Mom, I don't need that. Get the veggie tray. So we're having a lot of fun with this. <laughs> oh, I was seven. I was seven when I went vegetarian. I think it's really natural for young people to like, especially when they have a role model like their mom, showing them how. But I think it's pretty natural for young people to gravitate that way and kind of trust their instincts that they don't even need to intellectualize. You know, once we get older, we have to understand it. And it has to make sense. And 
and when you're young, you just feel it, and that's where it makes sense. And I'm really proud of you. Good job, Mom. <laughs> Yay, we're trying. <laughs> yeah, my my six year old my six year old niece is um, definitely she's questioning the whole um, vegetarian scene, and I'm kind of guiding her in that direction too. It's so I've been hearing that so much that younger kids are really uh, uh, uncovering that in themselves. So, right on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so you're really close. Cool. They just get used to it. Yeah. I have a question as well to you, guys, you ladies. Um, okay. And and I brought this up before, and today and the other day I was looking at I was cutting up a tomato, and on the tomato it had a tag, like Annette said, with numbers on it. And I believe I believe the first number started with a three. Uh, and that says all that all that are is codes. There's you know, the numbers are actually codes to, uh, about the fruits and vegetables. Um, That's right. Yeah. yeah. They're called a PLU, product lookup, product, product lookup code. And if it starts with a three, then it would be conventionally grown. But if it starts with a nine, you know it's organically grown. So if you're wandering through the produce aisle and you see a bunch of avocados that, you know, there's the conventional avocados next to the organic ones, and let's say you want the organic ones, which I would encourage everybody to want the organic ones. Um, you can make sure that you got the right one by checking the little PLU code, and it must start with nine if it's organic. And, and I just have to add, if it, if it starts with an eight, they're actually telling you that it's been genetically modified, which avoid, avoid, avoid. <laughs> Yes. That, that's a whole okay. other show. So yeah, it is. And we will go there on the 25th. When you say conventional, what do you mean by that? Compared to a conventionally grown? Um, usually yeah. conventionally grown means no extra effort for environmental purposes. So okay. it does depend on, I mean, usually if it's in a Chicago market, um, you're not at the farmer's market. You're just in a, you know, a regular supermarket. That's kind of mm -hmm. corporate. That's corporate um, agriculture, and so it's mass-produced and mass-distributed. And so in that case, you can kind of assume, if you don't want to contact the companies, that there's chemical fertilizers and pesticides and things that you don't want in your children's body, you don't want in your body, you don't want to put back into the groundwater and drink it later after you rinse your vegetables off, all of this stuff. But... Um, you know, if it's not certified organic and you're at the farmer's market, you have the opportunity to actually ask the person about their growing practices. And there is there is a better chance that small-scale farming and local farming will, A, at least give you the information that you're looking for because you can ask somebody directly, but B, maybe they don't use as many chemicals as the corporate conglomerates do. You know, so it's nice it's nice to go to the farmer's market if you have the opportunity, but if you're in the supermarket... I would, you know, I would highly recommend play, paying the few cents more for organic produce. It matters. <laughs> yep. So now, here, here's, a, here's a consumer question for you ladies. When we're seeing a nine and we're knowing that it's organic, can, are we guaranteed that it's also not GMO? You know, it's, I think it's the best defense we have at this point. Um, nothing is 100%. Because of things like cross-pollination, I mean, if the Monsanto takes a farm plot next to an organic farm, there might be a cross-contamination issue. However, it's the best, it's the surest you can be anymore that there hasn't, hasn't been any um, tampering. But you can't, you, it's not 100% guarantee, no. 
but it's the best we have. <laughs> okay. Unless yeah. you're growing your other, own. There are other reasons besides assuring that, you know, or hoping to assure that it's not genetically modified or, or chemically, you know, uh, treated before it gets to you. For the simple fact of, yeah, cross-pollination might happen, but if you're supporting an organic farmer, that's still important. That's political. That's more like I'm putting my money where I want my vote to be, and those those votes get tallied, and so uh, organic farming gets a good vote, and more money goes towards organic farming, whether the cross-pollination or cross-contamination happens at all. It's still a, a good political movement. <laughs> Absolutely, no, it's uh, a good vote. Good vote for organic. They're just all, all I've I've just meant to say that there's no guarantee. That's all. But yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, agree, it's definitely absolutely. the way to go. <laughs> I, I wouldn't you love to be? I mean, if maybe you guys have the opportunity, but I've always imagined how nice it would be to be in my own backyard growing all of my food. Like that's a dream someday. Then I can assure and ask myself, is this organic? <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's. Self-sustainability is definitely, definitely the way to go if you can do it. Well, that's where we're at right now. In fact, we just took my little 700-square-foot garden and turned it into a 1,400-square-foot garden yesterday. <gasps> oh, my wow. gosh. It's a dream come true. <laughs> it, I'm, I'm like a farmer now. I know. <laughs> and what are you planting back there? Everything. Every kind of vegetable under the sun. Everything I can think of, broccoli, cauliflower, <laughs> beans, lead, all different kinds of lettuces, and oh, it just got tomatoes, 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 every kind of variety, and it just goes crazy. Carrots, everything. Oh, I'm so impressed. That's wonderful. Now I have room now, for it all. ladies, would you, hmm, I wonder if I should use a commercial name, uh, I mean a brand name. Um, you see on TV, this is how I'll do it, commercials for Add this to your plants and watch them grow bigger, okay? Um, <laughs> like a miracle, okay? Uh, would you recommend using such products? Well, since here's Annette, and since I do actually grow my own produce during mm -hmm. the season that I have, um, I do not do anything like that at all, no. Um, okay. I just use my compost, you know, I save all my uh, kitchen pairings and peels and all that and I compost it all and then come spring I turn that right into the garden soil so that gets all of its nutrients that it needs and then when it comes to things like pesticide and keeping bugs off well that's where the you know chickens come in they can eat all those um, insects and varmints that come along and you do things like spray with just like pepper and water, and maybe a little drop of soap in there, things that are totally organic and not harmful at all to the earth or to the people that eat the produce. So no, yeah, I I've never afraid. had a reason either. I've never had a reason either to apply chemicals. Um, my houseplants are much more susceptible to, you know, outdoor pests than outdoor plants. And I discovered that last year I had a houseplant that was kind of suffering. It was on its last leg. I did everything I could. Um, and I put it outdoors, and miraculously, in three months, it returned to normal, and I think there's some sort of, like, nature cycle that if you leave something outside, it's, it's strengthened, and the natural predators outside take care of the little predators that the, the nature can't take care of when I isolate it indoors. I remember when I used to have a garden, too. Um, Honestly, the only pest that I had, now this would be different, you know, depending on what plants you were growing, but were squirrels 
and snails. Those were my biggest pests. And I'm not going to spray to kill squirrels or snails. I'm going to pick off the snails and throw them into my neighbor's yard. And I'm, <laughs> I'm going to use pepper spray and pepper spray for the squirrels. Yeah, like pepper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pepper yeah, and soap does like, miracles. Yeah, and usually letting nature tell you what to do, it helps a lot. Because the more you watch nature and listen to it, it's kind of it guides the way. And sometimes if you have a plant, here's what I'm thinking. If I have a plant that just cannot survive in my area because the bugs eat it, maybe that's not a plant that I was supposed to be growing in my area. That's right. kind of how I approach it now at this point. I'm not trying to force nature to do anything. I'm trying to assist it in what it would naturally want to do anyway. Absolutely. Hey, let's go. Let's start talking about some raw foods. Um, tell us, Tanya, what you feel is the definition of being a, a living foodist or a raw foodist. Oh, well, um, <clears throat> a lot of people, I'm a raw vegan, so I'm a vegan as well as a raw foodist. Um, there are two different definitions, though. A vegan, obviously, is a is a diet defined by exclusivity. I don't eat meat, milk, eggs, or their associated products. So that's an exclusive diet. I kind of define it by what I don't eat. But raw foods is defined by what you do eat. And you do eat raw foods um, in their natural state, as if you picked them right off the tree or off the bush or clipped them right from your garden. Um, They're still alive. They're untouched by heat. Or if they are touched by heat, then that would be a very low temperature, kind of like the sun. The sun heats things up. It can kind of dehydrate things. So you go by that. You go by the heat of the sun or less. <laughs> and um, and usually people start calling themselves raw food, uh, raw foodists around, if you want to give an arbitrary number, around 70%. And that's what I call high raw because at about 70%, and this number is totally flexible, um, but around 70% people start getting high off of raw food. They start feeling like those awesome benefits and they start getting tangibly high and, you know, emotionally and vibrationally. And at that point, you know, some people want to keep going and see how high they can get and how high they can vibrate. Other people feel that 70% is like a nice place and a very livable lifestyle for them. Um, Everybody is different and I would encourage, you know, whoever's trying it, to find something that works for you. Because, again, not just with the way we grow our food, but with the way we grow our families and our bodies, it's got to be sustainable. This is not a diet. You know, we're not trying to fall off of a raw food wagon. When it becomes a lifestyle, you can't fall off a lifestyle. You might eat something cooked, but you still bring your bags to the grocery store to refill them instead of using new ones or like me, fuel your car with waste vegetable oil instead of gasoline, or um, vermicompost, that means warm composting in your kitchen. It, just because you eat something cooked, you know, you still live the lifestyle of raw. And that's the point. Like, this has got to be sustainable. So I encourage everybody who's trying it just to find what works for them and, uh, and at least get to that 70% point so you can feel high, too. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> now, Eden, tell now you are have been a raw foodist in the past. Is that correct? Yes. 
Yes, I have. Okay. And I, I find I find the best. I, I find that I feel the best. I perform my best at my most optimal peak health when I'm eating raw. Um, it's really I, you know, I feel like I don't need to do any further research by going back to into more um, of a cooked lifestyle. Although I do at times, I still have some grains, and uh, especially in the winter around here, I find that it grounds me a little bit to have some grain. Um, but I do try to eat mostly raw. Um, but it's you know I'm a work in progress. So. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm really much more fascinated by the science and what, what science tells us that it does for us, the whole concept being um, that when you eat living foods, they contain the enzymes that break themselves down, meaning that your body doesn't have to work hard to create the enzymes to break down the food so it's accessible. And the less hard your body has to work, the greater health and longevity can be yours. So it's a simple philosophy and I think a very beautiful philosophy um, in keeping with Ross. And, and the good that it, and the health benefits that you can can get from it. So that's that's my main uh, inclination towards it. Okay. Yeah, I I think about the market again, being a raw fooder, going through the market, and uh, what you said about the enzymes, Eden, uh, breaking themselves down. I don't want to buy something that has a shelf life anymore. Yes. I don't right. have a shelf life. I'm alive, and I want my food to be alive. And if it rots in three days, that's even better. You know? Yeah, exactly. Tanya, Tanya um, yeah. to, to, eat, to eat that way, okay, do you have to shop more at specialty stores compared to um, your general supermarket? Um, at first, the you know transitioning into the lifestyle is a little bit awkward as it is starting anything new. You know, you get a new right. job and you're like, this is crazy. But after you've worked that job for two years, you're like, wow, could anything new happen in my life? So it's raw food taking on that is kind of like taking on a new job. At first, you're like, oh, I have to find a new store to shop at. Oh, I have to find um, a new restaurant that, you know, satisfies my taste buds. I have to find all these new things. But after you've done it for a few months, uh, mm-hmm. it's just old hat. It's about the easiest thing in the world. Um, farmers markets. They're everywhere. They're available to you now. Um, it's spring. I think you guys are starting to see some warm weather yeah. out there in Chicago, First right? May. We'll see them, yeah. Yeah, you'll start seeing them in May, and they're available. It's not like a new concept, the farmers market. It's just you going there might be a new concept. So it's not a specialty store. It's something that exists for everybody, but you going there would be a new act, you know. So I guess. Um, you would have to change the way you look at food and you look at life and you look at your shopping experience. But, yeah, farmer's markets are great, ideal places. Your own backyard is even better. Um, But, yeah, I can shop. I've been on tour with Stomp for three years, and that's when I was just starting the transition to raw food. And I thought to myself, oh, wow, I'll never be able to be a raw vegan on tour. This is going to be so hard. And so I gave it extra effort, extra transitioning effort. But what I actually found was while I was traveling to a new city every week, I don't have a kitchen, I don't have a pantry, I don't have a local farmer's market, what I found was I can eat at Hooters as a raw fooder if I want to. I can shop at any market. I can find that one raw package of almonds at any truck stop. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) There's something everywhere, and it's just kind of my job to get to it before other people ruin it with heat. You know, because <laughs> everything starts raw. <laughs> right, right. 
yeah, it's way easy. It's really easy, actually. Um, every supermarket has produce, and and every uh, every Mexican hole in the wall restaurant has guacamole, which is like a delicacy. It's like my favorite food. So I'm happy eating everywhere. But of course, out here in Los Angeles, there are layers of of awesomeness. Like there's 12 raw restaurants in the area that I can choose from, and my friends, honestly love to go with me. They're like, where are we going to eat this time? It's not a matter of me going, ooh, can I come out to eat and having to compromise and, and think about, oh, how crappy I'm going to feel the next day if I eat such and such. Instead, I'm like, hey, you all want to go out to eat? And they're like, yeah, where are we going? So, you know, there's it's wonderful to see people who eat cooked food and don't necessarily adhere to any specific diet. Um, they love raw food, too. Who doesn't like guacamole? Who doesn't like like a really good salad? Who doesn't like fresh apples and dates? And and if they don't like it, maybe they need to try a few more varieties because all the varieties are very different. Oh yeah, I'm enjoying. I'm loving eating all the veggies and all the. Oh, it's wonderful to me. It's like a treat. Yeah. <laughs> all the little things I combo up. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> even things like smoothies. Are easy, easy combinations to make. You know, just create a smoothie out of your favorite fruits. It's um, it's a really easy, easy way to get started. All you need is a yeah. blender. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about foods, different kinds of foods that I, may, you know, people listening may or may not know if that's a living food. Like I drink tea, lots and lots of tea, lots of green teas and different kinds. So I'm heating my water but I'm putting in my tea bag. Is that a living food or no? That's right off the boards. Well, if it was if it was in a tea bag before it got to you, the the herb was probably already dried, and unless it's a very niche kind of raw food or distributor, it was probably dried at like an excessively high temperature to shorten the mm-hmm. amount of time that it takes for drying. Yeah. So probably a tea bag is not actually raw, whether you add the boiling water to it or not. But if the tea leaves were dry, let's say, in the sun. If you go to your garden and grab some chamomile and throw it in a jar and sit it in the sun, or you don't even need the sun. It doesn't need heat at all. I've done it just by letting it steep for a few hours. But if you put it in the sun, it speeds it up, and there you've got raw tea. Okay, good. Okay, how about (laughs) drying ingredients? Things like, oh, rice and wheat flour and those kinds of things that we're trying to go with. Um, Because it's dried again, is that a no-no for a raw foodist? Do you want to take it? I guess guess you'd really have to see how it was packaged. Um, There's... More and more there's information if something's been packaged raw or if it's been processed in some way. Um, it'll usually tell you on, on the label. It's really a, a judgment call and a, a tough thing to know unless the distributor or manufacturer makes it clear. Okay. Yeah. A lot of times if you go to the bulk bin, for example, and you're looking at the grains there, um, and you have a variety to compare and contrast to each other, the longer you've been doing this too, you will see the difference. And so when I see a dark gray sunflower seed that is raw, it's legitimately raw. It hasn't been treated with any heat or anything. I can tell that when I bite into it, it's still soft. But it's dark gray, kind of brownish gray. I know it's old. 
And that's not quite as alive, you know. So once you get to know food and plants, you start being able to read it and see its life force and energy because I want my sunflower seeds to be like big and healthy and robust and kind of a, a light gray with a white hue to it, like like it just came right out of the sunflower in my backyard. And, yes, I've grown them, mm. so I know what it looks like. <laughs> so right, right. you start getting to know it. But, yeah, you know, grains especially, those are dried. And, I mean, what are you going to do with them after you get them, though? So if it's dried at a high temperature and you come home and you cook them, maybe it doesn't matter. Right, you know, oh, right. If you come home to sprout them, then it matters a lot more because you want the most available, sproutable seed possible. Um, a good question is, um, like, mangoes and dried fruit, those will yeah. come dried. And unless they specifically say sun-dried, um, you know, usually from a raw food distributor or your farmer's market or somewhere, then, yeah, those are usually dried at, like, temperatures of crazy 300 degrees. And, you know, I don't know. It's kind of like super hard on people with sugar imbalances, too, that dried fruit thing. So, you know. Maybe it's a lot like candy. <laughs> it's a lot right. like eating straight candy. Right. <laughs> well, frozen foods. Ooh, that's a good one. That, there's yeah, that controversy there. Right. There's controversy Definitely. there. Is it raw? Has it been touched by it? I look at it this way. Like frozen foods to me is better than canned foods. And canned oh, foods mm-hmm. are better than boiled foods, you know, straight up cooked foods. Um, but so frozen is is more alive and more available. But if you imagine, imagine this. I want the, the most living food possible. If I have a banana and then I put it in the freezer and I take it back out and thaw it, are the, is the thawed banana anything like the original banana? No. That's no. Right. Will it still rot? Yeah. It, will it still rot, though? Yes. So there's still enzymes in it. It will still digest itself and rot. So it's still somewhat alive, but it's not as alive as, like, a beautiful fresh banana. So there's degrees of living. Even if you pick pick an apple and then sit it on your counter for two weeks, two weeks later it's less alive than it was if you ate it, you know, right off the tree or something. So, you know, you're getting into semantics, but here's one that I was quite surprised with, canned olives. I loved olives. I had to ask somebody when I was transitioning, are canned black olives raw? And their response to me was very humbling. Whoever it was said, canned black olives are the junk food of the olive industry. Don't eat them. And I was like, (laughs) 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 but now I know, you know, though, if it's in a can and it's not rotting on the shelf, then it's probably not, you know, very alive anymore. Got it. And, you know, a lot of nuts I know now are being irradiated, like almonds and uh, yeah. there's a whole, yeah, it's it's, it's kind of a bummer. But, um, you know, a lot of these things you aren't able to get in, in their raw state. However, I do have a very good resource for nuts. It's, it's livingnuts.com. They're, yeah. I saw I felt like I never had an almond before when I ordered almonds from them, unpasteurized, organic. It, it just tasted like almond extract. Oh, just unbelievable, amazing almonds. So there's a plug for them. Woo! You know, it's kind of like, you know people who call themselves foodies? Yeah, you know, they're yeah. food snobs? I'm now a raw foodie. Right. And, and I'm snobbish about the, the life force 
I'm not really snobbish about anything else. I'm just, I just want it to be super alive. Like, that's the most integrity. Like, I want my friends to be alive, and I want them to be bright and super awesome and, and fun and positive people, and I want my food to be, like, bright and super awesome and super alive and available for me, you know, to get a good time, to have fun with it. And now I'm a, a raw foodie. That's Sounds good. great to me. <laughs> Sounds good for a T-shirt. <laughs> now, a lot of people say to me all the time when I'm talking about my step-by-step transition, um, oh, you can't get enough protein if you're just eating vegetables. Eden, do you want to tell me why that's a big fallacy? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. When, when they ask you where you're getting your protein, you should say, you should ask me where I'm getting my fat. Because that's really yeah. more of a <laughs> be more of a problem with where you're getting your fat. Um, believe it or not, there's a lot more protein in in fruits and vegetables than people think. Um, I think I'm going to post something tomorrow on my website breaking it down because it's a real it's a fallacy to think that there aren't enough protein in just um, nuts and seeds and fruits and vegetables. You can totally get enough protein. In fact, most people eat too much protein, and it's part of the lymphatic system. <laughs> Whoa, sorry. Whoa. (laughs) That was, woo. Can you hear me now? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah, so most people get too much protein, and and then it's taxing on the lymphatic system because then your lymphatic system has to get rid of the excess protein. So, honestly, um, it's just, you know, keep when kept in perspective, you can absolutely derive plenty of protein from vegetable source and whole foods. Absolutely. So people and, um, don't need I, to eat meat in order to get the protein that they think they have to have for their body. That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Can I uh, add a me, little something let me to that? Let me sure. A question. Okay. Um, oh, go ahead. How's, how would protein mixes be then? You know, the stuff you see for in, uh, health, in uh, basically the health food stores itself, basically stuff for uh, – Bodybuilders, you know, fitness type of things. Um, those protein type of powders and mixes. What would you say of those? Since you're talking about protein and not eating meat, uh, would they be good? There are some high integrity protein powders out there that you know, like Vega, Brandon Brendan Brazier's Vega. Um, he's a triathlete. He's a raw vegan. Um, we're good friends, and he's out there making. You know, if you really want to up your protein with a powder, he's out there making really high integrity organic um, uh, living protein powder. So that's that's beautiful. And there's so many ways you can up your protein. Um, but I just want to say, GNC is not a health food store. <laughs> I don't consider it the <laughs> health food you. store. Everything in there is chemically derived. It's just like mm-hmm. selling products to well-intentioned bodybuilders who, and the bodybuilders haven't taken their time, or or bodybuilder enthusiasts haven't taken the time to like learn about. They know about how to build muscle, but they haven't learned about like the long-term effects of certain synthetic things that that go into the body. They want you know immediate results and. That's cool. I totally understand. I'm an athlete too. Um, but there's a sustainable way to do it so that when you're 60, your muscles are still supple and, and but, but hard and long and uh, still useful to you without any detrimental arthritis or, you know, uh, nervous system, reproductive system uh, 
drawbacks. GNC is not a health food store, but there are ways that you can supplement your protein if you're really into, you know, getting high, high levels of protein like bodybuilders might be. Um, there's ways to do that for sure. I found, I wrote a, a well nutritional analysis and my friend Joanna Steven, uh, she's the nutritional uh, science enthusiast who kind of broke down a month of my diet several times. We've taken cross sections throughout the year and She's so cool because people used to ask me all the time about this protein question, especially because I'm an athlete and I've been a professional dancer since I was 15. And um, that's a long time. And <laughs> and the protein question comes up all the time. And I used to answer it with philosophy. And I could, like, philosophize anyone into reconsidering whether they needed so much protein or if there is indeed any kind of protein deficiency at all and look around, tell me what the symptoms are, or shouldn't we be worried about amino acids, because amino acids are the building blocks of protein, which are the building blocks of our body, and the most dense amino acid-rich foods are deep greens, like seaweeds and, and greens, like kale and wheatgrass that you can grow in your house, and algaes, and all this awesome dark green stuff. But that's philosophy. What Joanna found about my diet is that I'm not concerned about protein. I just eat and live. You know, I eat and I work out. I want to build muscle, I work out because that's what builds muscle. And I just eat. And so she took it and she looked at, I'm eating like kale, I'm eating mm, a bit of nuts, um, avocados, coconuts. These are probably the protein sources. They are, actually. And I get 104% of my RDA of protein uh, on average, <laughs> just off of raw vegan sources without even trying. You know, I'm not trying to be a bodybuilder, so I'm not really, mm-hmm. like, looking for more protein. But that's pretty cool to have that that feedback, you know, I'm eating three ounces of kale here, and I'm eating two ounces of romaine there, and then I'm doing an ounce of, of wheatgrass. And it, without her help, um, the raw nutritional analysis book couldn't have been written, and I wouldn't know that. I'd still be answering with philosophy instead of like, okay, well, here's the foods that I eat, and I get 104 RDA of my protein. That's kind of that's kind of breaks the whole myth down. I I broke it down by offering my my diet for a month, you know. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everybody should yeah, do the experiment know. on themselves, though, of course. Yeah, the more bioavailable something is when you eat it, the more you absorb it. I mean, and it's you know, it's it's all about what you absorb. Um, and yeah. when when a lot of these places um, like the GNC. Um, you know, they, they cut a lot of the supplements or nutrition with magsterate and talc and things like this. It, it actually blocks the absorption. So you're not actually getting what you think you are from them. So by going to the whole natural food sources of things, you're able to really absorb what's bioavailable and better for your body, and you're actually getting what you think you're getting. You know what you're getting because it's the, the pure source. So. Yeah. So for people out there that are listening to the show tonight, and if you're taking supplements, you want to read the labels on those things. If magnesium stearate, for example, is one of those ingredients, which is in most of the things that you think are awesome and you're taking and you think you're doing your body a favor, you might want to switch over to one that doesn't contain something like that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because I know it's it's difficult for most people to, first of all, get their head around an idea, like becoming a raw foodist, 
Second of all, even just taking the time to look at their vitamin bottle or look at the labels that are on their packaged goods, you know. Um, so there's a lot of things that you can just start with that are first steps, you know. I had a gal tell me one, one night uh, in a seminar that I went to that if you do nothing else, just get greens in your diet. Put more greens into your diet. If you do nothing else. Right. I am in full support of that. That's the one yeah, thing absolutely. I try and make everything I eat look green. Right on. <laughs> yeah, even, even even in my smoothie, I'm throwing kale in. I'm throwing spinach, whatever I can cram in there. Yeah. Yeah, I look at the karmic effects of of food, you know, and I'm feeling the life force, and I'm feeling what kind of karma in my life is drawn in, and. You know, fruits grow at the top of the tree, and fruit has a really high vibration. So you have to reach up to pick it, and when you eat it, you smile. It feels like a sugar rush. You get in a good mood. And then, you know, uh, tubers uh, or potatoes or uh, beets or anything, they grow underneath the ground. Like, that's big-time karma. That's, like, under the ground. And peanuts and legumes and whatever, and that's a good way to ground yourself. I mean, it's not right or wrong. It's just effective. And then you've got greens growing in the middle, and they grow right on the ground. And anytime I want to, you know, take the edge off of some sugar, and this isn't just like spiritual, this is also scientific. If I want to take the edge off some sugar, I'm going to combine it with something from the ground, like these greens. And so it works scientifically, it works nutritionally, and it works spiritually as well. When you combine greens with anything, it brings things back to their center. And uh, you know me, I'm I'm very focused on the mental health of, of the foods I eat, meaning uh, I used to suffer from manic depression and I was medicated for seven years and now I'm no longer medicated and it's been seven years that I've been off of medications and that's how long I've been raw for eight years, going on eight years this year. And uh, it's quite a miracle and that's one of the tactics I employ personally, you know, anytime I can work in greens for my mental health it just brings me back to center, and it takes the edge off of fats, and it takes the edge off of fruits, and, and it reminds me what, what the center of my personal food pyramid <laughs> is. Well, congratulations. That's wonderful. Yeah, that is, that is wonderful. What a great testament hey. to that. Hey, thanks, thanks. It's a miracle, and I don't, I don't use that word lightly. <laughs> you know, any time right. that you see something like that working for you, with, just because of diet, um, my cousin is suffering with cancer and has gone through all the chemotherapy, and Eden and I have been working very hard. A lot of the reason why I'm changing my lifestyle, so she'll change hers along with me and, you know, kind of be side by side and hand in hand doing this. And, you know, I'm just, my husband and I were talking earlier today about the upcoming show, and I said, you know, wouldn't it be great if, if my sweetheart Mary could just live to be 100 years old with me and we can say, see, the diet did it. <laughs> we gave her the chemo and the diet did it. So that's where wow. we're at right now. And, we're yeah, we're, we're moving forward with a happy, positive attitude that this is going to be the thing that makes the change. Oh, yeah. good, good, good. Yeah, so yeah. Eden, you never got a rolling girl. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> There's hey, never a bad time to feel good. All right. Okay. Can you guys That's give right. us any, I don't know if we necessarily want to say that they're a statistic, because I think it might be hard to have statistics in this field. I don't know if there's enough study going on, but can you, can either one of you maybe expound upon longevity or the, the decrease in cancers due to this kind of a diet or heart disease, et cetera? 
You know, there is, there is a lot of um, science in terms of the effects of cooked food toxins and maybe the result of, of that. From that, you can almost derive what the opposite would be, meaning raw food. Um, there, there are a lot of, I guess I'll just start there in terms of what, you know, the, the toxins that are present in cooked foods are reason enough to consider more of a raw food. You know, I'm, I'm having a little bit of static. I'm, can you? Hello? Oh, yeah, here, yeah. Here. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, I'll take it from there. I think I think I know where she was going. That there isn't a lot of study being done on raw foods, and it's become quite a <clears throat> a movement in the last thirty years. So we don't even have like entire lifetimes for mm -hmm. at least the United States population of the living food movement to really study anyway, but we do have studies based on the opposite. The opposite would be, you know, um, the dangers of cooked foods, the dangers of meat, the higher diabetes rate of corn syrup uh, eating populations and refined flours and the, the corn, the corn everywhere being made into flour and being made into the syrup and, and how hydrogenated oils have affected our lives. And so what Eden was saying is because we have those studies, solid, we can infer why, while there's lack of study on specific lifetime raw fooders, we can infer the opposite. If these cooked fats and these refined sugars do that, their opposite would be, you know, to eat a, a fresh living diet. And um, there are people in Hunza that have lived, there's been studies on people in Hunza that have lived over 100 years. The population is like notable. That's why people are studying it. They live over 100 years normally. This is not a rare occurrence. And there's so many factors that go into what creates a population of people that live to 100 years and older, including respect um, for the elders, including positions in society that mean something after, you know, after certain ages, continuing, you know, getting to be uh, loved and important. Also, you know, the lack of outside influence. People aren't bringing in disease and aren't bringing in thought forms that are uh, degrading to the culture, but also they're at the base of these mountains and they're drinking water that's mineral rich and, and affected by flowing over the mountains and they eat mostly diets of, of fresh fruits, apricots, and very little meat. They eat meat on ritual ritual occasions only, which is several times a year, not several times a week or day. Um, so, And they're living over 100. So we can kind of look at that population and go, what are they eating? Might be a good idea. In addition to all these other things like respect and, and you and that becoming, you know, <clears throat> the wonderful support that you are for the people in your life trying to be healthier. Because we all need that. We need a society that keeps us alive longer and yeah. friends and, and family that see us that way too. So when somebody is trying to make a positive, healthy change in their lives, we're rooting them on and cheerleading them and and not, you know, teasing them or, you know, tempting them or making them feel like an outsider for any reason. That's my study. My study is society really matters. <laughs> okay, you didn't real community. So, um, oh, hi, honey. Hello. Welcome home. <laughs> Yay. Hi. hi. <laughs> Technical difficulties. Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Now, ladies, with, with, with all that, you know, you're talking about, not meat and all that, um, I would assume that there's enough different ways of making salads, there's enough different ways of making soup that you wouldn't need, you know, 
you can basically have a whole different daily type of foods compared to the same same old thing. Absolutely. Nature is vast in its diversity. I didn't know until I was a raw foodist how much food I was missing out on not being a raw fooder. Now, by flavor, I can tell five different avocado varieties by taste. That's really exciting. I thought there was just avocado before I was raw. And now I know there's five different kinds of avocado, the same with dates, the same with apples, the same with all these crazy fruits and vegetables that I didn't even know existed until I tried. And I always laugh. I think when I was young, you know, I didn't like fruits and vegetables when I was young, but I was a vegetarian, but I didn't like fruits and vegetables. And that was probably because I was given dull bananas shipped in from Costa Rica or wherever. Um, I was given sun-kissed oranges that are kind of, you know, like if you've ever eaten a local orange in Southern California, sun-kissed oranges are not the same thing. They're given these mealy, red, delicious apples. And heck, I didn't like fruits and vegetables. I thought I didn't like fruits and vegetables either. And now that I'm raw, I'm finding out how to eat fruits and vegetables and also just what a diverse variety there are. I could never get bored. Yeah, it's very interesting um, how intricate your palate becomes, and um, the senses get heightened, too. So even smell, taste, like all all the senses get heightened um, the more raw you become. And I just think it's a cleaner, it's just about being cleaner on the inside and your experience of things are more profound. That's been my experience anyway. Yeah. I just had a comment on Facebook um, from Lisa. She says, well, listen, is that me? Listening to the show and learning a lot with having no thyroid now, high blood pressure, and being overweight. So, good show. Um, so, yeah, you're making a a uh, effect on the listeners. One more question. For a person, because we only have a few minutes left, a person that may be having digestive problems, heartburn, you know, where they got to take a pill a day before they eat anything, etc. Would this Danger. be a way of helping... Helping that along, maybe, you know, curing, not curing, we're not doctors, um, getting rid of those side effects, I guess, from eating, you know, the meat and stuff like that. Would going this route kind of help a person that may be suffering from stuff like that? Well, my opinion is there's never a bad time to feel good. So let's say it didn't stop this person from having to take the medication before they ate. At mm-hmm. least they get to feel really good while they're taking their medication. You know what I mean? So the worst that yeah. could happen is you become healthier. And the best that could happen is you realize that 100% of your digestive problems was digestively created and changing your food choices did indeed change the digestive problems. I mean, that's the best that could happen. Yeah, but the worst that could happen, you just get healthier. Yeah, because the person can't digest, let's say, steak like they used to, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of sits in their stomach. Um, where in the past they had no problem. And they're in their 50s, so they're kind of thinking, eh, there's got to be a change somewhere. <laughs> uh, the body right. kind of saying there's got to be a change. Yeah, so. There have been studies that have shown that eating cooked foods and specifically different variations of cooked foods give more um, results in this case, but... Uh, eating cooked foods, uh, your body's responds, your body responds with uh, white blood cells 
and white blood cells are kind of like, they're usually sent out by your body to kill off invaders. So like diseases and viruses and whatever. So white blood cells protect you and they're going after the food, the cooked food that people have just eaten. However, when you eat raw foods, no white blood cell increase, right? So they've also found that if you eat the raw food before the cooked food, then you minimize the amount of white blood cells that go out because of the cooked food. So I I think if you want to make just a small change, if somebody wanted to make just a small change in their diet, they could consciously eat raw food at the beginning of their meal. And Mm -hmm. that would probably start, that would be a good start. And then in a month or two, they might feel that difference and be their own role model. Hey, I'm feeling I'm feeling a difference. Maybe I have power. Maybe I have control over this. Maybe I could try something else. So just start with the the raw food and then eat the cooked food afterwards. And I think over time that will even make a difference for people. And I think I think the um, enzymes present in the raw food might. I think the reason it is it stimulates um, the enzymatic process in breaking down the cooked food so you don't have to create those enzymes yourself. That might, you know, that might cause a significant shift in being able to process the cooked food. That's a really good point. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Eden, tell us how people can read your blog every day and get on your site and find out more about supplements and the different kinds of pH balancing and so forth. Sure, I'd be happy to. It's um, My website is rawearthliving.com, so it's www.rawearthliving.com. Um, I do post free articles, health-related articles every day, and there's also a link to my shop, so you can peruse that as well. And everything that's available at her shop, how about it, is... No magnesium stearate. That's right. <laughs> no. That's right. All plant, plant-based live source. Botanicals, plant-based live source, yeah. You can trust when free. you go there. It's good for you. <laughs> <laughs> and, Thank you. And Tanya, tell people how they can get a hold of you and also about the spring diet book. Can people order that or is that just available oh. to them? Yeah, you can find the Raw Nutritional Analysis Spring Athletes Diet or many other like uh, Raw Nutritional Analysis books, e-books on my website. And I sell them at K-A-Y-O-S, as in Sam, M-A-R-K-E-T. That's chaosmarket.com. And the Raw Nutritional Analysis is there and you want to <laughs> you wanna know what it's like to feel super vulnerable and like a guinea pig, that is displayed in the Raw Nutritional Analysis. How weird did I feel like, oh my gosh, do raw fooders ever slip up? Well, I'm going to write it down. I'm going to write it down because I'm going to tell the truth here. So you get the real truth of what a raw fooder eats, you know, in, in a select month of their lives. Um, so that's available at chaosmarket.com. And then I also keep a blog, and I keep my career updates, which are always fun. You can see me on Glee, April 20th. This week I was just on American Idol with Rihanna. Um, I do those updates on my website, T-O-N-Y-A-K-A-Y.com. That's my name, TanyaK.com. And specifically check out the journal um, because I do I do write cool stuff there that would be of interest to anyone listening to the program. And you can follow me on Twitter by my name as well, Tanya K. All right. Annette, tell us who our guest is going to be next in two weeks. In two weeks. That would be April the 25th, next our next Sunday show. 
we will have Billy Vegas. He'll be coming on to talk to us about more about genetically modified organisms, GMOs. You keep hearing this word. It's kind of getting to be a little catchphrase. Um, and he's going to come on and tell us about what that means, what we can do to eliminate that in our lives. And he's just, oh, he's full of information. It's so scary how full of information he is. <laughs> he presents it so nicely. He tries to give a positive spin. You know, he doesn't want to be a doomsayer all the time, you know. So we try to give a little positive spin on what people can do to help themselves and be educated. Uh, Tanya, thank you very much for being in. Eden, thank you. it was nice to meet you, and uh, maybe meet you in the future over in the Nets or something. But Tanya, keep great, it likewise. If you're coming to Chicago someday, let us know. Oh yes, I love Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see what we can do. Ladies, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Good night. Have a great day. <laughs> And then I'll call you in a little bit, okay? Good night. Good night. Blessed be. Good night, ladies.